Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is a little content warning just to say that in our wellness episode today, there are points when we discuss weight loss, but only in context of how we can sometimes get into a mental battle that we don't want to be in when we begin exercising. We're not advocating weight loss. I hope you enjoy it. I'm a feminist, but I'm currently obsessed with soft furnishings and I'm not even apologetic about it. Very nice. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. And what we're talking, um, cushions or we're going yeah. like a bit, mainly cushions is after the year throws, we've had. Throws I, or yeah. um, pelmets is a word I like to say. I don't know what it means. That kind of thing, not a pelmet yeah. in particular, but I've tried. I bought some cushions off the internet. Okay, what I'm talking lovely. About. Well, good for you. I'm, I'm just um, so sick of looking at the same thing, Jess. Yeah. I can't, and everything's looking tatty. And I realised I first decorated when I moved in here ten years ago, and I just thought I haven't had a new cushion in ten years. They everything started to look tatty, and the cats had ripped yeah. it all up. And I just thought, if I look at something different, if I have different colours, I'll feel like I'm somewhere else. Yeah, I think it's potentially quite important to do. I've never given even. A sort of quark of a fuck about soft furnishings. But for the first time ever, I, I've got a partner who does. And so now it looks like I live somewhere that someone cares about. Like, and it's really lovely. Like now I've experienced that. No offence to my mum, who 100% would argue she's also one of those people. But um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, there was a pressure on it when it was your parent. You know, I remember coming home and if she had, if everything did look all nice, I remember once she's sort of looking at me desperate to say something and I was like, are you about to ask me to sit more tidily? And she was like, oh, yeah, I am actually. I, de- I desperately am. Um, and uh, it's like, well, Just well, because you're a feminist, Jess, doesn't mean you have to sit like yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I was a very, I was a very untidy sitter as a child. Yeah. Um, I'm a feminist, but I have raised a five-year-old so sexist that he started calling me bruv. Wow. <laughs> Teenagers, I believe, do that, but a yeah. five-year-old, that's a, five-year-old. that's a good work. That's a strong <laughs> work. Absolutely out of nowhere. And no irony. Does he say at the end, no irony, mother? <laughs> no, mother. <laughs> no irony, bruv. He's growing up in Catford, Debs, he'll never say mother. <laughs> no, no irony, bruv. I, I'm a feminist, but last night I felt like a failure because everything I ordered off the internet was ugly. <laughs> Like really, really ugly. Look in the pictures. It's like a vibrant purple with beautiful. It looks like damask. Yeah. And then it comes and it's just cheap. It's ugly. I mean, honestly, I really thought I've lost my touch for decorating. It's I'd ordered some really hideous things and that's oh, all has to go back. I just ordered so much ugly stuff. And I, I tried to be bold. Okay, I'll tell you the truth. Susan Wacoma, very close friend of mine, has been decorating her flat in very bold, glorious colours. I inspired, thought I could do a Susie Wacoma I wasn't nicking her colours, just to be clear. I'm a feminist. 
I would never do that to her. <laughs> I've done that. Is there something wrong with that? No, I've done, like, my friend's had a, like, garden done and she's got brick walls and um, she's painted them all white, in her own words, like an Ibiza nightclub. Huh. And, um, I, and I was like, well, I'll just do that then. Is that bad to do? It depends. Are the same people going to her house and your house? I don't know. I don't think Susie wants to come over and find her. No, it, you can't have, yeah, you can't make a replica home to your friend's home. That's it. <laughs> it's a bit single white female. <laughs> yeah. If she comes over and it's single like, this is, my, this is my exact, because it's quite distinct what she's done with wallpaper and block colours and yeah. stuff like that. If I had nicked her wallpaper, she'd be like, <laughs> yeah. You've got all the same clothes as me, Debs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Take it. Yeah. I mean, a Everything white wall. I think Debs. you can nick a white wall because a white wall isn't very. Like, no. You can't patent a white wall. No, you can't. And that, and the friend that's done that is, you know, I've never been to an Ibiza nightclub. <laughs> I, no. I don't, it's weird that I even get the reference, really. No, I just, I, yeah. to be honest, I just laughed along. I haven't either. Just a couple of dweebs hosting a podcast. Who'd have thought it? All those nights in Ibiza when I pulled all those gentlemen. <laughs> yes, I hate nightclub steps. I like board games. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Honestly, I never enjoyed them. I just pretended. Yeah. <laughs> but now, I'm, now I'm of the era where I just don't have to fucking pretend anymore. You know. I, re- I started because the actress who plays Lucille in Arrested Development died. And I thought, I'll rewatch some of Arrested Development because, you know, I love that actress. I remember the first time I watched it, which must have been 10 years ago or something, I was admiring all of Portia de Rossi's clothes. And this time I've really caught myself a few times going, oh, I wonder where Lucille got that blazer. <laughs> I'm, I'm like genuinely admiring yeah. Lucille's trouser suits. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. I've tipped. I've tipped it. I've tipped. Yeah. I've tipped. I couldn't even tell you what Portia Rossi was wearing. Couldn't even tell you that she's got some lovely blazer. I'm going into a blazer preppy. I just feel I need something. I feel I need to look different on the outside because I feel different on the inside. So I thought I'll go into a preppy blazer stage. Mm. But I think I just look like I'm in school uniform to not work. No, 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 no. Go look. for it. Okay, okay I'm a feminist. I just look like I work in a call centre. No, you don't look like Deborah. I'm couldn't... failing at everything at the moment. I'm afraid, Deborah, that e- I would I've never ever consider <laughs> even sending you the casting call for the part of person that works in a call centre because I'm sorry to tell you that whatever outfit of clothes you wear, you will never achieve that look, even if you de- actually desperately wanted to. I have worked in a call centre and I wouldn't be too proud to work in a call centre again. There's nothing needed. wrong with working in a call centre. But, but you've got mortgage two... advisor? Sup- yeah, no! <laughs> Deborah. <laughs> No. CEO vibes, babes. I'm sorry. All right. You're undone by your own success. I'm a feminist, but I've got a five-year-old so sexist that um, yesterday he said, Mummy, and I said, yeah. And he went, you look like an accident. (laughs) You look like an accident, he said. Did he mean that your parents hadn't meant to have you? Yeah, and the cruel thing is, I am an accident. <laughs> he knows. He knows how to twist that knife. That five-year-old knife. My mum was very much seven months pregnant with me during the very much rushed and not wanted marriage to my dad. Yeah. Wow. Very much an accident. Yep. Well, let's um, not say an accident. Let's say a surprise. He, he's good at... she. Every now and again he says something, and it might be rude, but it is spot on. It was like once in the park he shouted at a Dalmatian... 
And I don't know if you know anyone with Dalmatians, but they're quite proud of their special special dogs. Um, and he he bellowed at a Dalmatian, "You looks like a tiny cow." And um, the owner hated that. But again, so it's not miles off, is it? No, no. Yeah. This is the thing. The worst insults are the ones where you fear they're true. I'm a feminist, but my friend just told me uh, he was having a stents night, which is a cross between a stag night and a hen night. In other words, he was inviting his female friends on his stag night yeah, um, and he called it a stents night. And my friend and I said we prefer a slags night. Lovely. Very yeah. nice. Uh, if you're listening internationally, fine. a stag night is a bachelor party and a hen uh, night is a bachelorette yeah. party. Or bucks night, some type people call it, don't they? In, a... in Australia? Yeah. A bucks night? A bucks night, yeah. yeah. God, that's um, embarrassing. I'm a feminist, but I know that because of watching Married at First Sight Australia. Oh, God, what well done. <laughs> <laughs> my life. Don't tell anyone. I've got a degree. Um, Debs, I'm a feminist, but I've raised a five-year-old so sexist that, and I've actually remembered something sexist that he did when he was two, but I don't think I've ever shared it on the podcast. And I think it might be one of my favourite ever sexisms from him. He was two years old. We'd gone to visit friends um, who had similar age kids. And um, I'm a feminist and the other kids, mum and I were drinking alcohol in the garden and leaving them to it. Inside, (laughs) they were playing with, amongst other things, a big jar of coins, like coppers, basically, change. What my son did at two years old is filled all his pockets of his shorts. It was the summer with tons and tons of one and two P coins and came back out to the garden with his pockets like bulging and just stood in front of us and went, I'm a man with money. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing, isn't it? Already that confidence and swagger and knowing the power of the old (laughs) Benjamins. We can only thank you for inventing and raising another in a series of white men. He likes us I'm trying to think of anything I've done right really with him. And it, I'm clutching at straws, but he doesn't like it, at least he really likes a nice squidgy tummy. He thinks a tummy's not a tummy if you can't get a sort of handle on it. Well, and that's, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> If that's what he's looking for when he hits Tinder or whatever it is then, <laughs> it'll probably just be a chip in your head then when you can just conjure the other person up. Yeah. Or maybe people would just date robots designed for them, artificial intelligence, boyfriends and girlfriends and non-binary friends, probably. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'll be okay anyway. with that. Whatever it is, I'll try not to be a grandma about it. I'll try and go, well, that's what you young people like to do and... It was different in my day, but I don't. I'm not going to crush and squash what you do because it was different in my day. I'll try and be like that. I'll be dressed as Lucille Bluth. Everyone will be happy. From a variety of bedrooms and kitchens via Zoom, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Jessica Foster, and our very special guests, Janelle Lewis, Dr. Stacey C.C. Graham, Mia Togo, and Aisha Nash, talking about wellness. Yeah, yeah. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Jessica Foster-Q, and we're talking about wellness. Um, Now, Jessica Foster-Q, how are you? Are you well? 
Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yes, yes, a mixture. A mixture. How are you? A mixed bag. Yes, a mixed bag, a pick and mix. A pick and mix, yeah. Yes. I feel the same. I've been so good for the last couple of months at sort of sustaining my... For me, I feel like in lockdown, all the energy's got to come from you all the time. Yeah. But there's no well, way to go out and get a bit. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like right, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go and buy an energy. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd see people and I'd bring home some energy or I'd go to a yeah. yoga class and I'd bring home some energy. But the constant need to generate positivity, motivation, mm. happiness in a sort of home distillery yeah, and not be able to go to the happiness pub, as it were. <laughs> yeah, which is just the pub, isn't it? Yes. Um, Very much so, if you're from London, yes. But do you, I think we particularly, poor us, tiny violin steps, but we particularly suffer because we're both extroverts who do energise off the company of others. Whereas, you know, lots of people, including my partner, are introverts. And actually, even they are like, I've had enough now. Of, I've, I've, I've recharged enough. I've had enough of the solitude, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes, I think that's right. Because I'm an extrovert. Tom's an introvert overall. I mean, Tom's an outgoing introvert, but he gets his energy from home time. Mm. But he is, I think, quite keen for some out time. But then also yesterday, I had a bit of a meltdown. Oh, no. Yeah, I did have a bit of a meltdown last night and just suddenly felt, I don't know, I just felt inadequate and like, you know, I mean, this is a sort of, I wouldn't normally say this in the podcast, but I'm at that point of lockdown. I've got no material from outside, so I'm going to have to tell you (laughs) what's going inside of me, gang. And uh, Just going to, just forced to overshare by a lack of external uh, inspiration. Literally nothing else to say except the truth. And I'm, 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 re- I'm reduced to the truth, Jess. I have been, that's been my entire stand-up career, Deborah. but not born out of a pandemic, just born out of a lack of creativity. No, All I've had to draw true. upon is my own. My Wikipedia page is all true. That's how much I overshare. Yeah. For fuck's sake. I'm livid. Okay. I'm a feminist, but once at a panel show, I came on. I don't know why, Jess, but panel shows mean I it they bring on my cycle probably the anxiety oh wow okay yeah every time wasn't expecting it on yep. comes the old aunt uh-huh. Flo comes to town I'm a feminist uh-huh. but I can't believe I've just said aunt Flo comes to town but I, I know have... actually I think it's pretty on brand Debs and I really enjoyed it um and I said <laughs> oh is there any chance anybody's got anything because I haven't brought anything and the, yeah. uh, the producer said I think I've got a tampon and the runner said she doesn't use tampons and I thought I have overshared on this podcast. <laughs> the runner was she was so lovely but she was a big fan of the show and she was like really excited to meet me and I was like and I I've, I've talked about how I don't they're not comfortable for me. I need yeah. a very small speculum at the gynecologist. <laughs> I have shared that that I had a lot of people writing to me saying yeah. don't worry you're normal so have I and I was yeah. like too too TMI I have shared and shared and shared. But yeah. yeah, I did have. I just had a bit of a crisis of confidence last night. Felt like, mm, sorry, what babe. have I done in the last year? What have I got to show for it? I've wasted time. Like, and the thing is, I haven't wasted time. I've worked no, really hard. Yeah, but if you've things done don't... absolutely loads and learned to dance. I and <laughs> which brings me to wellness. So I, yeah. yeah, I, I really just struggled last night, and I. So I think the I think that ability to self propel is just sometimes very difficult, you know, very and. Difficult. I take on too much all of the time. Then I'm yeah. overworked. Then I'm exhausted. And that goes on in a terrible loop forever. 
Mm. Um, but I cried in hypnotherapy. That's an uptown problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about town. <laughs> what a middle-class problem that is. I cried it's in hypnotherapy. near the top of town, isn't it, actually? That's... Really right up the top of town, uh, but, yeah. Um, but it's still, I am still sorry they had any mega wobble because it's a horrible feeling. It is. It's a horrible, scary feeling. I, but it does pass, is... doesn't it? And I'm not well, belittling the feeling. So. Yeah, I cancelled personal training, which I never do. Did you do it? In a way that felt empowering or did you do it in a way that felt guilty? Because it's really hard to get that mixture right, isn't it? It felt a bit, I did a bit of a what's the point, Yeah. you know, that sort of can't, I'm just too tired, what's the point? Yeah. And that's not like me. I haven't cancelled personal training once in lockdown, not once. I do it four times a week and I dance six days a week and I do personal training four days a week and I haven't cancelled it once. I mean, I've cancelled it because strategically I've cancelled yeah, it. Yeah, I've cancelled yeah. it because I feel a bit injured, I've overdone it. Or this is happening on that day. Do you know what? I'm going to cut down a day this week. But I haven't gone, what's the point? And uh, yeah. and I've just hit that wall of going, what's the point? But also I do. I need to sleep in a bit. So so that, if I'm being completely honest, and I, I'm, I'm sharing this, and I think I'm sharing it because I don't like people thinking I'm not coping. Yeah. I don't like people thinking I'm not powering on. I don't like, I don't like you know, sometimes people share Facebook posts where they go, I'm really had enough, and, <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. don't put that out there. Like that's that's for your intimate few. But I, I agree. Think then- but that's a different thing. I think to, I think that's a different thing. Taking to social media to say, I'm, I mean, not to say I need help. I mean, if you need, yeah. if it's come to that, but a constant use of social media to say I'm struggling is a, it's looking for reassurance from a, a mass of strangers instead of any, any, it's not, if it's not, it doesn't feel effective. It just makes, it just makes an enormous, it just sort of spreads worry and doesn't mm-hmm. help fix the issue, does it? But that's a very different thing to having a conversation with, um, on your podcast. That's about wellness, about your wellness right now. Yeah. That's a very different thing. Yeah. And, and this is not to judge anyone who does that, by the way, like if some people that may be the way that they can reach out. So this is not me. It's more me going. Yeah, yeah. I always want to be putting out a shop front of, Positivity and achievement, yeah. and I'm aware that therefore <laughs> people that, could be. See how funny! I'd be way more embarrassed of admitting that. Than a, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I, I pretend I haven't got a shop front, Debs. I'm just well, um, contents. This is where we're at. I'm admitting I've got a shop front. If you've never heard me right. admit I've got a shop front before, but that's where we're at. We're at the point in lockdown where I'm yeah. out there. Deborah's shown, showing you a shop front. <laughs> I know I've got an awning and I know okay. that awning says, what, a powerhouse? Yeah, I'm out there. I'm doing yeah. it all. I'm living it up. I'm I'm including. I'm, in, mm. I'm included, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Of course I'm included. I'm the includer. I know that's what my shop front says. And I think sometimes people see me. Do you remember that song, Debs? Informer. You know, sort of, do you remember that song? Yes, you, I do. That would be, you should get that redone, but called Include. <laughs> and then, but keep in the one <laughs> line, <laughs> Leaky <laughs> Bum Bum <laughs> Down, because Leaky Bum Bum <laughs> Down was the best lyric of all time. I don't think that's what the lyric was, was it? It was, was it Leaky really? Bum Bum Down. Um, <laughs> can I get some backup here? It was Leaky Bum Bum Down. Excuse me. <laughs> well, listen, your shop front is certainly one that knows the lyrics to 90s songs. And I My don't shop want to front, take that I know away. the lyrics to 90s songs and just an, all the different types of dungaree. That's my shop front. It's a great shop front. Um, yeah, I think people think I'm not lonely. I think mm. people think I'm not racked with self-doubt. I think people think I have probably, if I'm honest, they probably think I never have meltdowns about my body image, that I'm sorted because I wrote in my book 
about my journey and my relationship with my body that wasn't good when I was young, but now I take my body on dates to yoga classes and I check in with it. And I, I love my legs because my legs get me from A to B and that's how I focus on them. And I don't now look at my legs and think stupid legs. Yeah. Um, why do you have to be like that? That's all true on good days. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same for anyone. I think I honestly, I don't, don't beat yourself up for not, no, no I don't think the world no, I'm not beating myself you. up. I'm just, okay, I'm, I'm having a bit of a confession okay, where fine. I'm saying, if you ever look at me as a listener and think, she's got it sorted. She loves her thighs. That's only true on good days. Yeah. If it looks like I'm never lonely and surrounded by a coterie of fabulous individuals, all of whom adore me and I adore them, and I'm always throwing my head back in laughter, completely socially connected and surrounded by people who adore me, that's... That's it's, it's just not always the case. There's a lot of times when I don't feel those things. So I'm confessing that in my efforts to share that wellness is a full-time job. Yeah. And it is a lifelong pursuit. Yeah. And it's not a permanent it, static state, is it? It's, it's, and a, it, it's, a, it's, it's not. a journey. Hopefully over my life, what I've been trying to do in the last year is go up, but it's a bumpy, what do you call this, Jess? Um, it looks like your hand is doing the dance, the worm. <laughs> but in an upward curve. There's a name for oh, this Oh, yeah, graph. sorry. An aspiring worm. Ascending worm. It's an ascending worm. <laughs> it's, oh That's your it's wellness journey. It's a graph journey. where overall you're going up. Yeah. But an, you're going an up an and down worm. with bumps. So as the gradient goes up overall, there's a yeah. lot of down. It feels sometimes like you're sliding backwards, but actually overall... I've definitely progressed this year. I've had some therapy. I've done a lot of dancing, which I couldn't mm-hmm. do before. I'm fitter. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I've always wanted to be able to run up the steep bit of Primrose Hill. Oh. So if you're a global listener. It's a snazzy it, park with you're a from steep South London, you, might, you might be from South London, not be to Primrose Hill. I don't know why. Because you'd have to be global not to have seen <laughs> no, the I live. I'm <laughs> from... I'm South East London and I don't think I have been to a, the steep bit of Primrose Hill, but I can visualise it. Well, when you get to the steep bit of Primrose Hill, I walk up it often because you get to the top, yeah. you see the whole of London, it's gorgeous. Yeah. But sometimes when I'm sort of huffing and puffing up Primrose Hill, I see people run mm. up Primrose Hill next to me. They run, they're running up Primrose Hill, the really <laughs> steep bit. Yeah. And I've always thought I'd love to be able to run up Primrose Hill. And I years ago when I was doing lots of, you know, it was in a bit of an exercise phase, I really tried to run up Primrose Hill and I could never mm. do it. I was like, who are these people? And the other day, Tom and I went for a walk to Primrose Hill. <gasps> and I just saw the steep bit and I thought, after all this work I've done this year, like exercising and dance, work, it just sounds like work, it's not really work. I've play, I play, dance is play. I thought, I'm going to, I wonder if I could run, just curious, I'm just curious to see. I'm not going to make myself run up. I don't, mm. it's, not, it's not sort of like a marker of success or failure. I'm just curious to see. And I just didn't, Tom was in the middle of a very important sentence and I just handed him my bag and went, hold this and just took off up the <gasps> hill and I ran to the top of Primrose Hill. Yes, Jess! Yes. Didn't even know I was going to do it. And it turns out I can now run to the top of Primrose Hill. So there's Get that. Get in. There's that. Do I did I feel like a winner last night? No, I felt like the biggest loser on the planet. But last weekend I ran up Primrose Hill. So Yeah, swings you know, and roundabouts. It's very much swings and it's very much, let us be clear, roundabouts. Yeah. And ascending worms. And ascending worms. 
Um, Lovely stuff, Debs. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. Lockdown is finally lifting and things are getting back to normal. So for the first time in what seems like forever, we're actually able to record an episode of The Guilty Feminist in front of a live audience, albeit a small socially distanced one. So if you're in London on Monday, the 17th of May, and you want to see us record an episode of the podcast live, you can get tickets now by going to kingsplace.co.uk or by following the link in the show notes. And if you aren't in London, but you'd like to be part of the fun, then there will be live stream tickets available as well. That's 7.30, 17th of May at King's Place in London. See you there. I can't wait to see you in person. Our first guest today is a yoga teacher and mentor with a focus on movement and spiritual practice. She teaches in an inclusive and accessible way, encouraging empowered practice. Please welcome Janelle Lewis. Hello, Janelle. Hey, how are you? (laughs) Welcome back. I know, right? (laughs) I know, I know. Here we promised to do this catch-up episode to see where we were and where you were so as not just to leave this dangling and go, ah, we've covered it. Um, and we're so happy to have you back. She is joined by a coach, writer, and yogini who supports companies, teams, and individuals in reaching their fullest potential. Her holistic wellness brand, Oya, Body, Mind, Spirit Retreats, is dedicated to underrepresented communities, typically underserved by the mainstream wellness industry. Please welcome Dr. Stacey C.C. Graham. Thank you very much. Hi. Thank you for the invitation. I'm a feminist, but... yes. I bought my first pair of peachy pink pants, as you like to say in this country. I've <laughs> knickers. Knickers. Nice. I don't know how I feel about them yet. <laughs> Have they got a little bow on the front? <laughs> they came in like a multi-pack and I was like, whoa, this is very pink. Yeah. Nice. Are you wearing those pink knickers now? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's not that kind of podcast. That sounds like heavy breathing. Yeah, like I was going to say, only you could get away with asking that. Knickers. That's not right. That's not right at all. Don't buzz. That's that's enough for a me too situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our third guest is a yoga teacher and life coach who speaks out on the importance of therapy and inner work when addressing our own internal racial biases and the problem of spiritual bypass in modern yoga. Please welcome Mia Togo. Mia. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for having me back. And I'm excited to be here. And I was thinking, kind of like Stacey, I'm a feminist, but my first day of lockdown, I went, instead of yoga meditation, I went to my favorite store and bought some, and I have mine on actually, Skittle colored like pastel jumpers. So I'm like really indulging all of my feminine pastel-y I feel like an Easter egg, actually, but I'm good with that. <laughs> I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I think it's, uh, I think it's working for you. Oh, yeah. um, you're certainly bringing the spring. I'm doing my best. Um, and as discussed, I look like I'm in school uniform. Um, <laughs> and we have a registered yoga teacher and a professionally trained pastry chef who regularly speaks about the history of diet culture and its impact upon our lives. Please welcome Aisha Nash. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm a feminist, but I've spent a lot of time on home furnishing websites. (laughs) All the boxes. All the boxes. Is it the nesting nature of lockdown that we have to make our nest 
a bit more homely. <laughs> I used to rush in and out. I mean, I flat's nice, but I used to rush in and out, and I wouldn't really have noticed. I would never have got bored of our cushions. I wasn't here enough. But now, my God. Janelle, do you have an I'm a feminist spot? Because I feel you didn't get to do one. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of I'm a feminist, but if we're talking about children, she's probably um, going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> it's like, I'm a feminist, but like I'm insisting my daughter's doing homeschooling and some of her outfit choices. I'm like, um, can you show up for... Zoom school a little bit better than that. <laughs> you are looking terrible. You know, it's like, I, she's like, but I should feel comfortable. I'm like, no, no, no. You need to look good in Zoom school. You want these people to be your friends when you have to see them in real life. And I'm, I've been like a real Zoom fascist. I'm like, you turn up, you are together at the Zoom. <laughs> are you planning Zoom outfits for your daughter? I mean, and my daughter's the one, like, I'm usually the one that's, like, looking a little bit crazy, right? And it's, it's flip-flop the other way. I'm, like, at Zoom. I've got, like, my hair done, my hair wrapped, sitting like I've been up for hours like, <laughs> with the ring light on. And no, no, I don't plan her clothes. She'd die. She'd die if I tried to plan her clothes. I don't, I don't do that anymore. And when I did, when I did, she complained that I made her look like a boy because I put her in unisex things. <laughs> and she was like, I mean, I thought I was a boy when I was small. I was like, no one cares about that. I'm like, gender is a construct. <laughs> <You're perfect. laughs> I think it's a good call, actually, for small children to be a little androgynous because that way not a lot is imposed upon them. And then they start telling you, hey, I'm more femme than this. Yeah, but, and they, Debs, but they choose. They it. start telling you when they're like <laughs> one. <laughs> they're like, I'm not wearing those shoes. Yeah. <laughs> How old is your daughter, Janelle? She's 16, going oh, on 35. Okay. <laughs> but she used to like love Bob the Builder. Like she would do that. <laughs> she wanted to hammer and knock. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm cool with that. Like Bob the Builder, no Barbie. I'm all right with that. <laughs> Apparently, children change at different ages. I don't understand it. I don't have them, but I hear that. Um, based in London, our musical guest tours internationally as a performer, educator, youth worker, and social entrepreneur. She's a singer-songwriter, sarangi player, and vocalist in the genres of Punjabi folk, R&B, and soul. And she's no stranger to the Guilty Feminist. Please welcome Amra Kaur. Amra. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, it's really great to see your faces again. It just feels like we've just transported into just part two, literally part two <laughs> of the last one. I've got an I'm a feminist, but and I just thought of it after hearing all of yours. I'm a feminist, but I think I'm starting a collection of healed versions of classic boots. <laughs> so I've got I've got these really cool healed Doc Martens mm-hmm. already, which I've had for quite a few years, and they go with everything. And then Recently, I bought myself healed versions of Timberland boots, but they Lovely. look so cool. And yeah. <laughs> but you put a heel on them. The healed versions. Oh, you can get them. You can. Oh, you just buy. You just yeah. buy that yeah. shoe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. 
just going to break it. I think you're all making skinny heels. I'm just little about heels. No, they're skinny heels. They're just heels. They're chunky heels. The chunky heels. A chunky heel dock. Not stilettos. Yeah, they're not stilettos. No, I'm interested. Send me a link. And I think the reason I buy those is, is because I don't like wearing heels generally, like stilettos, I just couldn't last in them. So my kind of preference is to just buy heeled versions of classic boots, which go with everything. I approve of this message. Um, <laughs> like it's a party political broadcast. Um, so um, we did some, so checking in on this episode. So as a metric, uh, we did this episode about six months ago, I think. And afterwards, we did some Guilty Feminist online classes with uh, some of you as teachers, um, which were very well received. So Anna, who originally hooked us up with this, who does our Instagram, she got some feedback. It was one of our most commented on eps ever. Comments included, as a white cis woman, this was such a challenging episode and I had to push through it which just shows how uncomfortable it was and how much work it made me do in such a short time. I'm sort of in tears at the end, and I'm not 100% sure why yet, but it's one of the most moving and rewarding discussions I've heard in a while. It's really shifted my perspective. And this is referring to the discussions we had about white women taking over yoga and sometimes women of colour, black and brown women and Far Eastern women not feeling safe in the space. And a lot of white yoga studios going, well, they just don't want to come and not asking the question, why not? Then uh, another listener said, loved every second of this, one of the most compelling discussions on inclusivity and appropriation in yoga and wellness. Uh, Somebody else saying, this is like a sign from the universe. I have just listened to the wellness episode. My plan is to ultimately set up a pay what you can class in a local community center when I qualify as a yoga teacher to introduce it to the people in my area that think they can't or shouldn't do it. Thank you for giving me the signals to get on with it. Someone else says, some of the best commentary I have heard on doing the work. Another listener says, a really important episode got me thinking a lot as a white middle-class yoga student. Another listener wrote in about disability. We ended up, because last time we were meant to be talking about wellness and whiteness in wellness, but we ended up talking a lot about yoga. And it was pointed out that we did not have enough South Asian representation amongst uh, the yoga teachers, and we didn't have enough broader wellness discussion. It's just the way it went. But we want to address that. Uh, Somebody else said, I was particularly interested in your wellness episode, having practiced yoga for over a decade. And as a disabled woman, I was disappointed that disability was barely mentioned. Perhaps the crux of it for me is this. Disability, not impairment, can often bar people from resources such as time or money that enable one to participate in wellness. Those in pain need wellness. Disability can skew our standards of what is healthy or acceptable. It can also mean convenience is key, so researching ethical practices might seem both vitally important for the world, yet unachievable in our day-to-day. So we figured, because this is often happens that we'll be talking about one intersection and someone else will go, I was really disappointed you didn't mention this other intersection, and which is absolutely completely fair and valid. But my response to that is, why don't we do another episode where we take this intersection So rather than trying to do every intersection in one episode. So we know that we need to come back and we know we need to do a lot more on disability than we do overall, to be honest with you. So did anyone get any feedback? How were the classes? Have you got anything to say about your experience coming on The Guilty Feminist? Janelle. Um, Well, 
I loved the classes. I attended the classes myself as a participant. Um, and I think I got to everyone's session at least one time, which is really was such a gift and so amazing because um, it's nice to be held as a teacher and be in a safe that's very intentional and that um, everyone is um, I'm seen and held. So I, as a participant, I love it. I'm going to give that feedback. And um, <laughs> I really enjoyed interacting with the community. And um, I got some amazing comments and feedback from folks saying that they felt really good about it. They felt seen and they felt more comfortable to try things and that they even, um, you know, and a lot of your community are, are white women, but they have even felt the way that the, you know, wellness has been constructed. It's not serving anybody. You know, you, you feeling like you have to like turn up to these places and the practice and it like all be together. You know, you have to look a certain way and be a certain way. And I feel like, you know, what we, achieved collectively with the Be Well classes is to kind of start to to move away from that. So, you know, folks came and, and they practiced and all like a range of, of, of folks. And um, I really enjoyed it. I really um, got a lot from it. That's wonderful, Janelle. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We had so many great comments from it as well. People were so excited. Mia? Yes. I absolutely loved it. It was so, I got a lot of great comments and feedback, how, how much kind of things you were saying, just the discussions that we had and opening the conversation that I think sometimes people are afraid to have, or they don't know how to have. And, um, because it brings it, yeah, it stirs some stuff up It activates it. And as it should, because that's what yoga does. It activates stuff so that we can dig into our shadow and look at things that sit in the mud, because if we don't, how are we going to actually own our light? And so I feel like holding that space in the Be Well classes and having those conversations, which I do and threading that throughout the classes was such a powerful way to create community in a new way and opening up that space. And it was so fun, Janelle, having you there. And I do, I'm so sorry I couldn't come to your class. I really wanted to because I had clients and classes at the same time. Um, so it really, it meant a lot to, to for you to be there as well. And um, and thank you too, for, you know, for the Guilty Feminist for creating that space. Because it was, it was really empowering, I think, for a lot of people to experienced yoga in a way that maybe they weren't, they didn't have access to before or opening their mind and seeing it from a different angle from our different perspectives as well. There's so many different doors in. So it was awesome. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Stacy. Yeah. So I'm always typically the person who's a little less effusive, um, but <laughs> that's just who I am. <laughs> I, I'm also the person who didn't teach a yoga class, right? So my my offerings were specifically mindfulness rather than yeah. yoga. And I know that that was a lot, perhaps, I shouldn't assume, but I did have the feeling that it was a, felt to be a little less sexy than, you know, what Janelle and Mia offer. They definitely have a pull with the way that they teach. And people hear mindfulness, and I feel like a lot of people have a lot of assumptions about what that's going to be like. And yeah. But it was a real joy, especially that first uh, session. I think I offered two sessions. And that first session, you know, there were a lot of people there who offered some really great comments, both on the call and then later sent emails uh, reaching out for other work. It was also interesting, you know, there were people who reached out, quite a few people who reached out wanting to work with me. And then 
weren't quite ready to do that work. And that's not a criticism or a, a jab at anyone. It's just, you know, sometimes that's also really good information, right? You listen to a podcast, you feel energized. Yeah, you know, that's what I want to be doing. And then when it gets really close, you're like, oh, maybe not. And, and, and that voice comes and tells you, oh, there's all these other things that you actually need to do first. Mm-hmm. And so that also happened. And that's absolutely fine. So I enjoyed offering it. I enjoyed being able to teach mindfulness to larger groups, especially during a time where I feel like people can really um, benefit from it. And I didn't make it to Janelle and, and or Mia's sessions, but Janelle knows that I'm very rarely going to make it to, <laughs> to a vinyasa style class because it's just not my practice. So load. <laughs> hey, if it's it makes okay. you feel better, I, I couldn't. I didn't know about the classes. I wasn't even on the podcast. So <laughs> if it makes you feel better, <laughs> yeah, Jess, you know. If you were ready to do the work, you would have just known. You would yeah, have just, I would have just known. Would have <laughs> and I'm not you ready on the to shoulder do the work. And yeah. said, hey, what yeah. are you doing? Excuse me. Where's your mind? Is it being full? No. Um, <laughs> I, Stacey, I admit to you. Very empty. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's actually that's the way it's perfect. supposed to be. No, I know, isn't it? It's an ironic name, isn't it, really? Yes, yes. that's the translation. Yes. Yeah. Mind freeness, yeah. It's it's just going to be less. It's just much harder to get people to even harder to get people to be ready for it if you call it mind emptiness. <laughs> it's just hard to sell, isn't it? Well, I admit to you, Stacey, I'm one of those people who previously had thought meditation mindfulness is. I probably did think it was less sexy. I'll admit. Um, <gasps> I. Um. <laughs> Did you say um or om? I said um. Uh, I said, I'm telling. It's maybe your school outfit that made me give a playground retort. I'm so sorry. You're in dungarees. You're in a lower class than me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm dressed like a business toddler. (laughs) I'll shut up. I'll mute myself. I'll upset myself. Don't mute yourself. No, because then I won't sound funny if I make a joke. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I admit, Stacey, I was someone who I just always thought, oh, meditation's not for me. I'm not, my mind's too busy. I can't do it. I don't like it. Don't want to do it. Boring, stupid. Uh, I hate yeah. it. Oh, we got the picture, Deb. So you're sort of the more you talk, the worse it gets. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's going to take a turn. It's going to take a positive turn. And that's oh, why is it? I feel oh, 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 oh. I am excited about the turn bit. I started hypnotherapy. Uh, with Sandy Ames, hypnotherapist from New York. I never say hypnotherapy without saying Sandy Ames, hypnotherapist from New York. I, it's not clear to me whether she has possibly hypnotised me to do marketing for Because <laughs> <laughs> why otherwise? I'm going to be honest with you. Why? She's hypnotised you into advertising. I just no, no. I can't stop myself. <laughs> it's very concerning. If, and if, if at any point then we're just... Goes to sleep. Julie, come on, guys. We'll just keep talking until whatever the trigger word is for her to come back. It's highly possible. Um, No, I mean, hypnotherapy has to, she always says in, when she's putting me under, she always says, with your consent, with your permission. And I know you can't hypnotise anyone to do anything they don't want to do. But I have actually put a lot of my friends onto her. And I know at least one of my friends has actually, you know, got in touch and started sessions. Can they talk about their hypnotherapist without mentioning their full name? Or are they... We Maybe both call her Sandy Ames hypnotherapist to each other right. every time we talk okay, about right. her. So it's just, I don't know why. But I'll be honest with you, I wanted a New York hypnotherapist because, okay, all right. 
<laughs> Here we go. I just feel British people, as a as a people, and I include myself in this, although I was raised in Australia, I have dual nationality. So for this, I include myself. British people are always a little bit unambitious and disappointed. So when I when I'm when I'm in a trance, I don't want that seeping in. I don't want that seeping in. I I just feel that a British hypnotherapist is gonna have a small office above a shop on Marylebone High Street and I'm gonna walk in and go, if this stuff worked, why would you be here? I, I <laughs> do you know what I mean? Now, yeah. listen, get it on my next poster, whatever happens. Thank God, something to put on my tour poster. If, <laughs> I, if you are a British hypnotherapist, you're listening to this. I, please yeah, you are livid, aren't you? You please, are furious. You might please be currently livid, but please remember, I'm a British comedian, so it's my job to make jokes. I don't really think that people shouldn't go to British hypnotherapist Amrit Thinker saying I just think of little Britain look into my eyes look into my eyes don't look around my eyes (laughs) of course there are brilliant British hypnotherapists of course there are if you are one amazing fantastic I think I just wanted um, I've got a feeling where the feedback's going to start when we do part three lads yeah It's going to be from British. I just wanted a little bit of that. I didn't want it to be Californian because I'll get all cynical and I rock. I'll get very London if it's Californian. But New York's got the right upbeat positivity. It can happen. This anything can happen. I believe in you. Mixed with a little bit of irony and cynicism, and that was just what suited me. You may not want Sandy Ames hypnotherapist New Yorker. I did, and she was trying to get me to do this mindfulness, Stacey. At night when I go to sleep and in the morning, she had tapes that she said, well, I'll give them to you for free, MP3 sort of thing. When you wake up in the morning, you just do 15 minutes. You just listen. Breathe. I'll do breathing with you. If your mind just get drifts off and get busy, she says that in that. That's fine. That's fine. That's just happening. But this is here. This is here. This is here. And I resisted and resisted and resisted because I thought, well, that's, I'll do the hypnotherapy, but that sounds boring. Um, then she hypnotised me to do it. I heard her do it when I was under. I heard her go, just 17 minutes, just 17 minutes, just 17 minutes. Just 17 minutes. And she kept saying, just 17 minutes. Next thing I knew, I was downloading it, was listening, wasn't I? Because she'd hypnotised me to do it. Oh, it has oh changed God. me. I admit to you, Stacey, it is sexy. It does work. Mm-hmm. I sleep better. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely more energised and focused. Apart from my wobble yesterday, which I admit was a... Yeah. Which is a part of mindfulness. Thank you, Stacey. Mm-hmm. I admit that. I admit that. So you were right all along. Mindfulness is the bomb. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Aisha, hmm. can you tell us about you? I'm a yoga teacher and I I talk about diet culture a lot and how it's it's kind of weaponized against us and... There's no real difference in the wellness industry, wellness space between wellness and diet culture. It's just kind of got rebranded and and it's got like, it's been like haloed. So now there's this like weird morality where you're deemed as superior if you made it to a yoga class or if you're drinking a green juice instead of a coffee or any of that. So I like to have a lot of rants about it basically can you have a rant now because we love a rant i love a rant i love a rant 
That's why I'm here. <laughs> Jess Foster Key, that's very much her Ready shop front. Ready for the very much. Some fun facts. I didn't know I had a shop front, Aisha. <laughs> if I do a have a shop, shop front. front, it's anti-diet industry rants. It's yeah. a ranty anti-diet Shop front. diet <laughs> yeah. shop front. 100%. <laughs> you, if you haven't seen Jess Foster Q's show, Hench, unbelievable. So good. So good. Hopefully, uh, it, literally um, believable, though. I, I fact-checked. Um, oh, yeah. Belie- uh, yeah, unbelievable is a hyper- but it is, is hyperbolic. It is, it is infuriating, infuriating in the sense that wellness, you know, as a title, even for an episode of this, it can mean so many things. <laughs> in one sense, you've got, well, it lifts it out of the frankly kind of toxic dangerous element when you've realized no no it also encompasses all of this kind of holistic you know movement and kindness to self and all these incredible levels of introspection and outside of yourself there's so much it can just mean how do you make yourself feel good and happy and be in touch with yourself and acknowledge that your mind and your body are connected but you know it's a 4.5 trillion dollar industry and a lot of that has got nothing to do with all those lovely things I just mentioned. It's to do with teas that, you know, people spend a lot of money on to try and shit themselves thin. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so if sad we that all, all of that's well, come under it as well. Where does that money yeah. go? If we were all actually well and we yeah. weren't spending money on diet tea and, you know, whatever the fuck else, this yeah, you know, yoga wear or whatever. Industry, yeah, if exactly. any of those things were a fix, yeah. So, Aisha, can you yeah. please go on one of your trademark rants now? Because we are all very keen to hear it. I feel like, Deborah, asking somebody who... I feel like it's a little bit like when a taxi driver asks us to tell them a joke. Because we've said we're a comedian to, to demand a rant. Well, I, I mean, we can always edit it out if she says I don't want to rant. But I want to give oh, her fine. space and permission to rant. Yeah, you've got... You absolutely have permission. But please, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure to rant. But space and permission... <laughs> I just hate it. I I hate the whole wellness industry. It's ableist. It's racist. It's classist. It's just the absolute freaking worst. And it doesn't help anybody. It really doesn't. Mm. It puts more and more levels onto how good a a consumer you can be. Like even self care and body positivity. It's, it's no longer self-care to actually take care of yourself and community care and the things that self-care really are. Instead, it's, oh, did you buy a bath bomb? Did, did you use your bath bomb? <laughs> like, it's such an obsession with trying to sell you more and more crap. You don't need it. That green juice, sorry to say, it's probably a load of sugar and water. The other thing that irritates me is... It goes so far back. We have most people who are like, oh, I like my yoga class. I like my, I seem to be batting green juices a lot. I like my turmeric lardo. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like my vegan diet. They're very attached to it and they don't know the history of it. The history of, firstly, the people who weren't allowed to eat in those ways and whose food was taken away from them. Because, oh, I've got a good one for that. Turmeric yeah, latte. On. So if you want to move away yeah. from the green juice, you can talk about that one. Turmeric <laughs> latte. Yeah. On that note, the turmeric latte in Ayurveda is filled with loads of vitamins, turmeric, and they're fat-absorbed vitamins. They're vitamin A, they're vitamin K. Vegans have it with rice milk 
or oat milk. Things with very little fat in them. So you're not absorbing the nutrients from the turmeric. You're meant to have it with some milk. So that copy and badly paste keeps happening Mm. throughout all of it. Mm. It's like, oh, look, this is a cool idea. And keep in mind, I was teased my entire life for like yellow fingertips and yellow nails and smelling of curry. And then you go to these places and they're like, oh, we've made a, a latte with some curry and some chai in it. And you're like, really? That doesn't even taste like chai. So it goes so far back. It goes all the way back into Plato. Yeah, Plato said you are what you eat. The Europeans who colonized the entire world, they were obsessed with that idea. And when they went over and colonized absolutely everywhere, they saw what people were eating and they saw what they looked like. And then they're thinking, well, we don't want to look like that, so we're not going to eat what they eat. This happened in the 1500s, the 1600s, and so on. And now you still have nutritionists telling people that a very Western diet is so much healthier than any cultural foods that we're used to. We get told to eat kale. Now, before kale was a superfood, it used like it literally only sold as a garnish at Pizza Hut. It was the garnish on the salad bar. Nobody had heard of it like 15, 20 years ago. And now it's just everywhere. And it keeps happening through absolutely everything, that weird copy-paste. What is the answer? And can I throw this open to the floor for you all to have a discussion? Because I think this is, last time we talked a lot about yoga and whiteness in yoga, and, and we have that. And it was not in any way designed to chase white people off yoga, but to say for white people not to be taking up all the space and the central space the whole time. Can we morph this conversation into other parts of wellness? Because I'm really interested in what you all have to say. Stacey, I feel like you're itching to come in here. (laughs) (laughs) What makes you say that? (laughs) (laughs) I can just tell. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, there are a lot of things uh, that come up for me with that question in particular. First and foremost, you know, when we throw out a number like 4.5 trillion, you need to put that into perspective because people hear that and they can't really comprehend what that means, right? That's a huge number. We don't really understand what it means, but we also, I would also say you probably can't narrow it down to wellness. Yeah, like, that was on the, you know, it was just on this like global institute. No, no. I, I've read the number institute. many times. I yeah, read, yeah, right. But the question Sorry. is, how are they defining wellness? Yeah, sure. Right. And so I think we need to move away from uh, this notion that, you know, everything that we're criticizing here, right, that move away from that because it's not wellness. It was not created or designed to make anyone well. And then first and foremost, what is wellness? And it's very hard to say for a person, what is wellness? Because they're so disembodied today, right? Who is really in tune with who can really say um, why something is coming up and who is really equipped and resourced to sit with whatever is coming up? You know, we're in this space, in this bubble. We talk about breath and we talk about sitting still and we talk about all these things, but most people can't do that. Those are already really advanced things. And a lot of the times in those bubbles, we say, oh, it's because of, you know, trauma again, 
let's define what trauma is. But, oh, it's because of trauma. It's because of... No. It's because people are disembodied, which historically for many people does come from intergenerational trauma. But that person might not read themselves as someone who's traumatized. They read themselves as absolutely normal because within their their network, their circle, they are normal. Their TV is always running. They're on Clubhouse. They're listening to podcasts. That's perfectly normal for the majority of people. So what is it? And I, I completely agree with um, you, Deborah, about this. Let's move away from yoga. Oh, yeah, my brand is specifically holistic wellness. So we just completed a six-week course on befriending the inner critic that had nothing to do with yoga and everything to do with these things that I'm talking about, getting in touch with yourself, digging a little deeper, not accepting kind of the first answer that comes up for you when you talk about your inner critic. So that's what I would throw into the group, and I'm happy to hear what the rest of you have to say, but that's where I would start. Why do we accept these uh, marketing ploys as wellness, why do we even include that? Yeah. Yeah. I accidentally yeah. gave $58 American dollars to some man last night when I was feeling really down on myself who was promising me the world and then delivered a whole heap of information I already had. And oh. I ended up with an app and I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? I gave him $58, but he was promising me things I wanted. Tom's looking at you me alone. You did that at the same so. time as buying those horrible furnishings, Debs. Pretty much, yeah. Now I've got oh, some ugly dear. cushions and some information I already had about <laughs> about time. In, 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 it's in hard to know what's training. worse. Yeah. I don't know what I've done. I'm not. At least you can burn the cushions. What are you going to do with the information you already had? Got to know. Delete yeah. the app. I've already unsubscribed. He emails me every ten minutes, okay. and I don't like crumbs. I, like he's my boyfriend. Um, yeah, I don't think he's dealt with his inner critic. He's, got some <laughs> he's not right here. He's not. But. I think there's something that you said that really made my inner light go on was we are disembodied. We really are. And maybe I say we because I know that I really am. But I think we all, my whole problem my whole life, if I'm really honest, which I'm discovering through therapy, through dance, through all of these things this year, and I'm having a bit of a crisis about is I've not been in my body. I'm only just getting to know my body. We're just so disconnected. And that's why we just, we eat without thinking, just like grazing all the time. Like some, I've had this thing all my life where I have to have something in my mouth and it's just an oral fixation. I know Jessica foster wants to laugh because it sounds rude. <laughs> I don't want to laugh. I just, we, I, whenever we've spoken about it, about eating and, and in that sense, I think it's, um, I think a lot of people think they're addicted to eating and actually they're just hungry and eating's lovely. No, um, I, so I don't. So it's a blurry boundary and I think you have to yeah. sometimes have a – I hear true. so many people, especially women, say, oh, God, I'm addicted to – there are no addicted – even sugar, it's bullshit. You can't – there aren't – you can't be addicted to food. We are primarily designed to be on the hunt in our minds and our bodies, but it's our bodies talking to our minds and then our minds overriding everything for, for food. And food makes you feel nice. So you're looking to feel nice. Um, but – you know, and, and it's actually incredibly rare. There's, there are actual real medical syndromes like Prada-Willi and things like that where people cannot not be eating and have to, you know, and it's a massive physical override. And I think it's a dangerous, I just think it's a, it's a dangerous is the wrong word, a very complicated thing to talk about that kind of unmindful mind empty eating because I think we put a lot of weight on it and we put a lot of self-criticism on it where actually 
it's just, you know, there are times where you're distracted and there are times where you aren't. There are times where you're starving all day and you don't know why. There are times where it's so otherworldy. Uh, it's not something you can control, but we are, it is from the second we were born, we are being taught, especially as women, that you better learn to control it. And actually, if you were in control of your life and if you were someone who had your shit together and you were intuitive and instinctual and if you were, you know, they, it's impossible. And I think an enormous number of people want a little bit of food in their mouth a lot of the time. So it's a really bloody lovely thing to be doing. Yeah. Yes. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Deborah, on that note, all of the random studies that you see about rats who prove that sugar is more addictive than cocaine or all of these things, mm. they've starved the rats for at least 12 hours beforehand. That's the equivalent of starving us for like three to four days. What would you choose afterwards, a high or sugar? Because I think majority of humans would go for sugar because your brain runs on it. And it is a high, like... <laughs> Oh, I'd much and rather also, have sugar than cocaine. Point, like, you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> anytime, anytime. You offer me a really lovely, like, a Hagen does cookies and cream ice cream or a line. Oh, we'll take the ice cream every time. I'm not interested in cocaine. No, I'm, I'm chatty. I'm chatty enough. I'll yeah. have the ice cream. I mean, Hagen does did a Mandy flavour, an MDMA flavour. That's a different thing. Johnelle, yeah. I want to know what you're thinking about this. The thing is, I mean, I know we're like, oh, let's not talk about yoga. Let's not talk about. You can talk about yoga. I just want no, to no, say. No, no, no. But I want to bring it back around is that a lot of this stuff, a lot of what um, we talk about wellness is very fluid and is down to, you know, the person and their circumstance and everything. Um, and so we're taught to look outward. Outward has the answers. And that's like from the beginning. The outward has the answers and that's where you get them from. 
And really what where the answers are all in us. And like what's going to make me well is in me. That it's based on me. It's not based on some ad that keeps coming up on my Instagram feed around some silly tummy tea or, you know, the things. Like yeah. sometimes you just go like, what? What is this? Why is this like, dot? like, why does somebody keep showing me this noom bullshit? I don't want this. Why? Oh is my this God. I haven't even thought about it. I mean, I get targeted with enough stuff. Just I have a podcast about eating, I, but you guys actually work in the industry. I can only imagine the horror that is your Instagram ads. Like they must target you with the worst kind of before after picture. Exactly. And so why any of this has been useful? Why yoga has been useful? It's an embodiment practice. It gets you in your body. It gets you inside. Meditation gives you the space to actually fucking listen to what is going on. We are so bombarded that we can't decide what's me and what's not me. And I was on um, Stacy's Befriending the Inner Critic um, course, and so was our friend Kima. Can, can I say that? Oh, is yeah. that? Yeah. Right Kima was there too. Sorry. Oh. Kima, has, Kima has put it on social media. It's okay. It's okay. Not- sorry. I, as soon as I said it, I said, oh, shit, shit. You, babe, you're telling people's business. But anyway, good, because I didn't see that. And it, again, it just helped me to like listen. Like when you talk about... Um, Oh, and do I look all right? Is oh my goodness, now I gotta go somewhere for real and put clothes on. And it's like, yeah, bitch, you're fine. Go ahead and go out there. You know what I mean? Like my inner critic has befriended me and she was like, Oh yeah, you're great. You go ahead. You do your thing. But if you don't you don't have a way to, especially, you know, we spend a lot of time like disembodied. If you don't have a way back to your body. You know, you're stuck um, thinking, let me eat this avocado toast so I can become avocado toaster. You know, you're 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 caught up in this like matrix, right? You, you know, I'm like against avocado toast now. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't bring no, that anywhere I, near I have me. to admit, I do love some avocado toast. I, I bet you oh, no, do. Like, <laughs> when we're at a brunch and people start like, oh, this is what we're going to have. I'm like, I ain't coming. and bacon and bacon please no green juice mimosas okay Okay. that's gonna make me well right somebody else that's not but it is and also it's fluid like what makes you well today won't make you well tomorrow and also this thing that it is stuck in my head about the person that got in touch about um disability and it's like we are all temporarily able right because it can change at any time and as we get older it is changing so you know really like holding all of that in one instance is where we have to start to like disconnect from these messages and dominant culture and where does that message come from a lot of it is whiteness right saying that this is like how you are well. And um, what we know is that it really depends on the time, the day, the season, you know, and especially as um, all folks that, you know, I know you were talking about your period, um, Deborah, but folks on here that bleed, that, right, hormones, everything. So it really is down to us to reclaim it, like 
as individuals for ourselves so we can model that for other people. So like as a community, as a collective, that we're able to do that. Can I just jump in there? And I know we want to bring Mia in. I just, yeah. it's just occurred to me that it's really important. Also, because of the, the previous feedback, not that anyone said this in particular, but and, and that it somehow came, could possibly come across that we're saying, you know, white people back off. Um, it's not your yoga. But we need to, and it's, this is who I am and I always do it, but we have to get really specific. Like there's, it's not like some vague they. It's not like in the good place that there's just one person writing a program. There's a reason that we talk about whiteness specifically, not white people, but whiteness specifically. There's a reason we talk about it because who is creating the ads that make us believe those things? There's a whole industry around it, but we never talk about that. We talk about the hashtags and the people posting and they do have accountability and responsibility. But there's somewhere that it comes from. And I think we, I just want to put that in this space so that that yeah. um, can be acknowledged. The people who are creating the ads, the people who are creating the things that make us believe that we need something, that we want to buy something, that we want to eat something, that we want to wear something, that we want to travel somewhere. The people running that industry are white and they are predominantly white men. And you'd be really surprised to find out how far that industry goes. Like I know people think about a TV ad, you know, white folks want to get mad about a beautiful uh, ad about black folks enjoying their Christmas dinner, but there's so much more that is happening. The expertise that they have today, and I'm not talking about third party and cookies and all of that. They know you beyond that. They don't need the cookies to know you. They know you and they craft things. It's not magic. There's a whole industry behind it that makes those ads come up on your social media. And they do good things too, right? The the government, the UK government was one of the biggest spenders in advertising over the last 12 months. And you can imagine why, because they needed to get the information out about COVID-19. But we just need to name that a lot of these impressions that are put on us from a very early age come from somewhere. And it's not some vague they in the sky. There's an industry that yeah. makes this possible. And that industry is run by a lot of white men. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah. No, well said. I feel like I'm in their grip a bit at the moment. And I don't, I feel very thirsty for what you're saying, but I want to kind of get into the laptop and be with you because I feel like this Zoom is very, like, I don't know why I feel like I've just shown up. This was scheduled. This is, you know, all sorts of podcasts are scheduled for me and, you know, I may be feeling more or less connected. But for this one, I feel quite hungry and also wanting. Like, I feel like I'm really not being in a great place with all this stuff and I feel like, oh, my God, I've fallen for this. I've fallen for this and I've fallen for this. And and I'm not meant to be the person who falls for it. I'm the person who writes the book with the fucking chapter that says, oh, drink the Kool-Aid, only one calorie. I've got this shit sorted. And I'm not. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. I feel like, I feel so hypocritical. And I know if that's anything, the whole Deborah, thing about if, but, the guilty feminist is yeah. I'm a feminist, if, but I don't get it right. And, but, and, and surely that's it. Like it, it, in itself, that's, it. that's inspirational to admit that. Like this isn't aimed at people. It doesn't only fool the unintelligent. It doesn't only fool yeah. the vulnerable. It's insidious. Exactly. And absolutely toxic and powerful. You know, you're not uh, less for having fallen for it. I mean, but I, me too. Like, it don't... I think yeah. it's just the being... And it's a shapeshifter. It shifts. It shifts. 
the more you do your other work, it like creeps in in different yeah. places. It and that's does. what I've noticed. It's like before it would, you know, okay, right. That's this, that's that. What, you know, whatever we're talking about, whiteness, diet culture, whatever. But now, you know, as you get more sophisticated, it gets more sophisticated. Yeah. And so it's like um, that staying so one step to- ahead. It's the bank staying one step ahead of the hackers. It's that kind of mm. yeah. thing. But ultimately that's only the like, how do you deal personally with, the horror that is the powers controlling all of this and how do you stay one step ahead to keep yourself in track? But it, it, it still doesn't go anywhere to starting to like, I don't know, how do we stop the powers that be? How do we get to the source mm-hmm. of the thing and change the fucking thing? Not just yeah. how do you cope with it personally, but, but how, how do we, we dismantle how it? How can more? we dismantle it? How can we smash this up? Yeah. Mia, I feel like yeah. you've been wanting to come in for a Sorry, while and we've, 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 we're, 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 it's okay. I've just, I've taken it all in. And actually, you know, I think what you're all, I just resonate with all the things that you're saying. And, you know, being someone who stepped into the wellness world at 20, like in my 20s, I'm 55 now. And I was a professional dancer. How are you fucking 55? I'm fucking 55. This is not self-esteem. You sitting there being 55, looking like 18-year-olds. Jesus. You know why? Well, because it's some Japanese genes. That does help. But no, truly, I really think unpacking, I've been unpacking this shit for 30 years. And you're not ever fucking done. I say this when I work with clients. You're never done. You have to step in every day and keep peeling the layers back and peeling the layers back and changing the system that is out there in the institutions means we have to keep looking at where the institutions are within us. And that's what I really stepped into as a professional dancer in my twenties, how much self-hate I had. So I, that's why I studied psychology. I went to CLA. So my background's in therapy and coaching. And I started doing the shadow work way before I ever stepped in the yoga world. So that's really my, my well, the wellness thing is what I brought in and integrated with yoga. And I bring in the sutras and I talk about, you know, with someone respect for the lineage and how to integrate that because mindfulness is like our thoughts and our feelings and being disconnected from our bodies is because we stay so much in our rational logical mind and want to understand things so intellectually but we have lost connection to how do we feel what am i feeling in my body like yoga if you are mindfulness brings us into what am i feeling trauma work gets us into what am i feeling and if i can feel into that then i can change some of the stories and the belief systems that I have inherited and ingested. So I am such a big proponent of it is so not about the fucking green drinks and the diet cult. I come from LA and I'm the one that would just (laughs) make kind of make fun of that as well. You know, I get it. If that's your thing. And at the same time, there is no sidestepping. There's no bypassing doing the inner work, the shadow work, because the shadow is where a lot of the nutrients Whatever it is, ang- I'm very much in touch with my anger and my rage. You can see that little pillow back there. When I'm when I am fucking off center, I don't want to sit in meditation. I need to rage. And I am not afraid of my rage because there is justice and there is courage in there. I just need to get what is constructive and start to pull that back so I don't just become the very thing that I really don't like or even hate. I know when my self-hate is up because it starts to take me down. And that's when I'm like, oh, you've just internalized more of the system, more of the patriarchy, more of the misogyny, more of the white supremacy. And so I'm like, okay, come on, sister, let's go play ball. And I hit that thing. I'm like, motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. And I let it out because, and I dance, I still dance. I don't dance to perform. I dance to move energy through. So wholeness and and like Stacey, I've been doing an eight week workshop. There is not yoga at all. I mean, it's like breaking down the critic, going into shame and guilt, how to be with 
sadness and self-pity. Because if you can't be with your own sadness, you're going to go to rescue or want to rescue other people. And yoga teachers are notorious for that. It's like, I want you to feel better. Happiness Mm -hmm. is not a goal. It is an outcome from doing the work. You cannot Mm -hmm. disown. It is not a goal. It is an outcome. I, that I stand by that. So many people want to be happy all the time. I'm like, no, you got to learn how to do sad. You got to learn how to grieve. You got to do how to hurt. You're not going to live there. But if you're able to process it and get the wisdom, you get the the, the mud. You get the lotus. You get to grow. You you can't have the light without the shadow. It's integration. You know that wholeness is integrating all the parts of ourselves that we have not loved or we have pushed away. Those parts need to come back and go, honey, I love you. I want you. Integrate it and bring it together. And our wholeness belongs to us. And nobody can fucking take that away from you. It is your gold. So when people say that to me, I'm like, I like it. Look, I'm a feminist, but I like when people tell me that I look younger than my age. (laughs) I love it. I do. It's my ego. I don't care. Um, and (laughs) And at the same time, I'm like, I don't have that many gray hairs in my head because I really, and it's, look, I know I'm, I shouldn't say that because it's, it, there's a lot of hereditary, there's all kinds of stuff. But what I'm saying is <laughs> I learned how to rinse a lot of my worry and my shit. So I'm not ingesting it. And if I do, I'm just, I'm, I'm just abusing myself and that abuse lives inside of me. So we have to do the work out, especially this week in this, in the U S and there, it's been very triggering with what's going on and, you know, racism and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. It's triggering. I just been like, ah, and I haven't said much on social media. Cause I just, this time I'm like, I go layer deeper. I just have to go mm-hmm. layer deeper. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what wellness is. You, you never stop doing the work. It's integration, coming back to wholeness and loving the parts, whatever that means to the parts that we have deemed unlovable. And that is, the more you do that, you have less time to gossip. You have less time to hate on yourself. You have less time to hate on other people. Because you know what? I'm too busy integrating and taking care of my stuff. That's my version. Well, that that was oh, I love it. wonderful. And I'm going to give you a round of applause. Oh, um, thank you. I Because I, I really felt that. Can I ask a question, which is a personal question that I hope other people who are listening might want to ask. And even if they don't. It's my podcast. I'm asking it. Um, (laughs) Worst case scenario, none of us answer. (laughs) Um, So through lockdown, I saw this as a time to do DIY on myself because I've been charging around the world and the city, doing a million zillion things, not taking that time. And lockdown, I was like, okay, at first I didn't react well. I'm an extrovert, but then I was like, okay, this is time to do work on yourself. And so dance class and like really getting to know my body. And sometimes that's been challenging for me because I was in a cult when I was younger and we weren't allowed to focus on our bodies. We weren't allowed to masturbate. We weren't allowed to do, you know, we weren't allowed to go to dance class. We weren't allowed to do anything like that. We weren't allowed to kiss somebody or like get to, you know, unless we were courting with a view to marriage. And so when other people were getting in touch with their bodies, I wasn't. I was ignoring my body, studiously ignoring its changes, ignoring its urges, ignoring everything about it. So I thought dance is a way of me like, you know, finding this, you know, I did this and then I started therapy and I started talking about ways in which being adopted might have, you know, be like in my DNA in some way. And I started doing all this work, right? And I was like, really, and I really feel like I was getting somewhere and then this weird thing has happened that, like, my body has changed because of dance. It looks different. 
it, it because I danced a lot and I'm learning to do pirouettes and I'm like, you know, it does look different now. And somebody said to me, oh, you're a different person. And I was like, I'm not a different person. I'm the same person. My body's just a slightly different shape. But the thing is, the closer my body starts to look like they want it to look, which will happen if you dance a lot. And I dance 10 hours a week and I was doing it for myself. I was doing it to get in touch. I'm doing it to make myself strong. I'm doing it because I love it. I'm doing it because I'm not going to get out of bed otherwise. And I need to get out of bed and move or I'm going to be very sad and I'm not going to sleep well and I'm going to spiral into a bad place. So I'm doing it for me. And I love dancing. It's the first exercise I've ever done in my life where I'll go, can we do another hour? Have you got another hour? I'll never do that with personal training in my life. <laughs> will I go, I think we could do another hour of this weight thing. Never in my life. <laughs> I want to get this tap dance right, right? I want to, I want to be able to do it. So I'm like, I reckon I can crack it, you know, right? So this is great for me. But here's the thing. Dance makes me, my body look closer to the bodies on the billboard. And the closer my body gets to that body on the billboard, the more I think it could get there and I could please them and I could be what they want me to be. And I could be what I was meant to be when I was 15, when I didn't look like that, you know? And, and then then it's a promise, you know, then there's just this little gap. And the farther I am away from the billboard, the less I have to participate in that. I'm like, I don't look like that billboard. I don't have to. I'm a feminist. I'm body positive. I'm accept, accept everything. And then I dance and dance and dance and I do the therapy to get, and I'm mindful and I'm doing all these great things that are so good for me, but all of them push me closer to the billboard. And then I'm like just inches from the billboard where I could please everybody and I could look the way I'm supposed to look. And then I go into my head and I spiral into this place of why don't I look like that? And why can't I get there? And like how what are these ways that I could get there? And are there ways? And is there a man in California who's going to, if he takes my $57, which I fucking gave him, I gave him $57 so that he could send me back. Why don't you buy all these pills from me? And I was like, what did you think he was going to say? What did you fucking think he was going to say? Like he knows that how endomorphs, uh, you know, shred or some bullshit that he was telling me. And I bought it in like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm so ashamed because I'm not meant to want that. I'm not meant to want it. I'm a feminist. Why do I want that? Why do I want to look like a fucking billboard? Why am I buying into what they're selling me? But it's like, it triggers some adolescent desire to be the thing that they wanted me to be. And I know it's white supremacist. I know it is. And yet, and I know it's misogynistic and I know it's bullshit. What's wrong with my thighs the way they are? But this guy reckons he has the magic to make my thighs look like the thighs on the billboard. And when my thighs look nothing like that on the billboard. I don't get that guy my money. My thighs are my wonderful thighs. But as soon as I get close, I want to close the gap. Please help me. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I so, thank you for sharing that. And I so hear your, yeah. your, your pain. And like, I think so many women, if not most are all can relate to that. Like I've done so much work around that. And I hear that pain of like intellectually, it's like, I know my worth. I know that it's not about this image and yet I still have bought into it and it's still there. And that dissonance is so hard to resolve sometimes. And, and what I was thinking about too, when you were saying that Deborah, is I remember when I was dancing professionally and I just don't have the quintessential dancer's body. I never have. I'm just more curvy. And I remember being on a James Brown, it was a special and I got fired. My Fuck agent called me and said, you're fired because I'm not skinny enough. And I was like, okay, I, yeah. And I mean, that was part, and I was going to UCLA and I was studying psychology and I'm like, 
this is so deeply rooted as much as I I know that it's not that I am worthy. I still, and even 30 years later, it's still, I hear you. I so hear you. That still comes up because it's like, oh, my body isn't doing this. It doesn't look the way that it used to. And, and I get so mad at myself. And at the same time, I have, that's where I think the compassion comes in and go, it's okay, honey. It's like, what's underneath that? Maybe it's fear or I'm sad or I'm hurt. I don't, my enoughness. And I think that that's, it, it's something that we we have to lean into because I, I think if we extend more of that compassion to ourselves and that empathy, then we can extend it to each other in ways that sometimes we don't even talk about. We so on Instagram, I, I mean, I don't because I'm, I believe in being really authentic as much as you know I can, but to have these conversations, it's like, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel you're not enoughness. And it's okay to know that that's not who you are. It's something that you've bought into. It's a system. And that system can, it, it, when it rears up, how do we, I call it rinsing. I rinse it. I ride it. I, I hit that fucking pillow. <laughs> when, am I, when I want, I'm like, oh, I'm so angry at this. I'm so sad. I'm so hurt. And I honestly, I go to my little girl. I'm like, little Mia, <laughs> my inner child. I'm like, what do you, honey, honey, what do you need right now? Do you need to be held? Do you need to be, it's usually I need some kind of support or tender, some tenderness. And I don't know if that helps at all, Deborah, but I, I, and I just felt that, that pain that has been with me for a long time and I've cleared a lot of it and it, it's still there. It still comes up um, and it doesn't make us broken. It, it, I think it, if anything, if we can utilize it, yeah. it connects us deeper to more tenderness and compassion. I would uh, agree with what Mia said. And at the same time, I would push back slightly on how you open Mia in that <clears throat> saying most, if not all women experience that as a dark skinned black woman, I will never be near the billboard. I'll never be near it. And I'm not taking away from what you said, Deborah, at all. I completely understand what you're saying. And I'm not saying all dark skinned black women would feel that way. Um, but I'm so far away from that billboard. I don't even look at it. Like, I don't care about it. I'm also a bit lucky that I never really cared for magazines and things. And I, I see that I kind of saved myself, right? Everyone I know who used to read whatever it was, um, you know, all the, the flashy glossies, they felt worse after looking at them. Mm-hmm. And for a very brief period of time, when I would be at my GYN in, in Germany, that's all they had laid out. And I'd pick them up and I was like, five minutes in, ugh. you know, feeling bad about myself. So I just put them back down. And I was like, oh, those that's what they do. So for me, I'm so far away from that billboard. That's never been my measurement. My measurement has very much always been rooted in the family that I come from and the culture that I come from and looking at those people. It's funny. I actually recently looked at some pictures of when, uh, when I was younger and I'm going to admit I was a cheerleader and a lot of people can't <laughs> believe it, but I was, and I was very good at it. And, uh, <laughs> also because I'm physically very strong. So I was a great base, but I had a different picture of what my thighs looked like back then. And I looked at, um, my mm. picture and I was like, girl, you were skinny. You know, like that was really my response. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Are those really your thighs? Because I was a runner and I played soccer and I, in my he- mind, I had like, you know, the muscly, mm-hmm. thick thighs and I did, but I didn't, you know? And so uh, I had, you know, mm-hmm. for people who can't uh, see me, I have long locks. I've had locks for over uh, close to 20 years now. So that means my hair is natural. Um, in some ways, I'm super curvy. In some ways, I'm not. You know, I don't have the biggest bust, <laughs> but have a nice butt. And so, you know, it's just, there's, I'm, I'm just, I can't relate to 
the desire mm-hmm. to want to be that. And I'm not saying that's for all black women. I'm not claiming that. But I personally mm-hmm. can't relate to that desire because when I looked at it, I never saw me. I never saw me and I never saw something that I can even aspire to. Mm-hmm. And just in case people don't know what I look like, I don't look an inch from Jennifer Aniston, Mm. just to be very fucking clear. In case people think, wow, she's just Jennifer Aniston with slightly bigger thighs. I can see her pain. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, it must be tough. Uh, I don't. But when you were speaking, it also made me think of something, which is maybe, please don't think it's disrespectful, but I was kind of like, that's like when you need to go to the bathroom, right? You have this whole journey on the tube home and you're like, I need to wee. I should have weed before I left. And you're good and you're yeah. fine. And then as yeah, you coming. get closer to <laughs> your door, you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was so good at this just on the tube. And then like you're at your door and you're like, yep, yeah, that's it. I, I just weed a little bit. I just weed a There is bit. a proximity <laughs> thing. Yeah. I just, I just weed a little bit. Definitely. So you say you're saying I'm There's spiritually that peeing that myself. I yeah, I think you are. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. Your soul, <laughs> yeah. Deborah, your soul is getting closer and closer to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just dancing. I feel like my soul is running down you've my dance legs. Your soul. Yeah. Yeah. It's hardest. It's hardest right before you make yeah. it. <laughs> And I think, though, also it's this awareness that you have around it. And that really brings it around where, you know, being aware of it, that both when you're not right, you're completely in the system. They're just running. You're on that hamster wheel and you're just going to buy the pills, listen to whatever the man has to say. But just being aware that like, wow, okay. It's here. Then that's where the I I say that's where the real healing and the real growth is. You know, that's where you can really find the space from that point of, you know, (laughs) the spiritually peeing on yourself. Right. Because that's how it is for me. I have to literally (laughs) I spiritually piss, vomit, all of it. And then the big expansion comes, the growth comes. So it is in these points mm-hmm. where I just like, I mean, could it get any worse than this? And it's like, well, no, this is where this like contracted state, this like what? And this is where, you know, I, you know, you have the space to like really grow from and and, and move. And that's how it is for me. It's always got to be like, war- like bad. And I'm like a, a shell, oh like gosh. crying, shook up. And then that's when, you know, that's when I, you know, start to be able to really grow. So I I hope that helps you. (laughs) Yeah, no, it does. It does. I think when I was running around the world, I didn't have time to look at myself in the same way. So this is part of the good connection in my body. The good side of this is I'm in my body more. I'm seeing myself more. But the bad side of it is I think what a lot of people are experiencing on Zoom, seeing themselves all the time, where um, someone I know, does uh, some treatments. She's a doctor and she does peels and stuff, but she also does, you know, cosmetic treatments on people's face. And she went, oh my God, business is booming because people are looking at themselves on Zoom and going, is that a line? And we never had this time or energy or focus. We just got on and no one else is seeing that that you're seeing. But we're all I'm worried. On- I'm worried that we're going to have forgotten how to socialize without also looking at ourselves and not knowing what face to do because you're not looking at you, I, my fear is that mirrored sunglasses are going to make a comeback this summer. <laughs> and I'm out. I'm, out. I'm I, re- I, really excited to be able to react <laughs> to a conversation that's happening without watching the reaction whilst I'm doing it. Like it's, 
I hear that. I, I feel like it's wait. made us all a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's distorted. I feel like I've got like a slight amount of body dysmorphia or something at the yeah. moment that I haven't ex- that I never had before. Like I got over all of this shit. I got over all of this shit. I wasn't giving my money to some guy called Vincent California who was promising me the world. Never. Not for years and years. Not for <laughs> years and years and years. I went through all that. I put it behind me. I grew. I changed. And then this year did all of this great work on myself. Work. Oh, this is work. Oh, look, 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 look. And then suddenly this work came bang smack around into the middle of ways that I used to feel when before I work before I what it just I think it's some of its therapy as well as it's reconnecting me with old stuff and then you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to see yeah. though that this experience is different yeah. that's the opportunity mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. before likely you didn't have the awareness around it as it was happening uh, mm-hmm. likely before no, you wouldn't have talked never. about it so openly on a podcast with a bunch <laughs> of some strangers, right? Likely there would have been a lot more harsh judgment, which would have turned into shame, which would have made mm-hmm. it even harder. You would have closed more. And mm-hmm. now you're like, oh, you're still here? You're mm-hmm. you, I didn't mm-hmm. know you were still here. What's up? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Move out the way. I'm not, I don't have time for this. That's wellness. That's mindfulness. That's what we do in yoga. Those opportunities where it comes, it's it's always going to come up. It's going to come up in different ways, different facets. Mm-hmm. As Janelle was saying, it, it gets sophisticated. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, Haha, I see you. I see you over there. Chill. Get out of the way. And then you keep going, right? And then it comes up again. And it's like, you, you trip over the, the pebble. And it's like, oh, I almost fell on my face. But I'm standing. I'm standing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... I would, I would, not that you <clears throat> have made some kind of impression that you're being really hard on yourself, but I would encourage you to kind of shift that gaze to a gratitude for, wow, look how different this experience is this time. Look how well-resourced I am that mm-hmm. I know what's happening yeah. and I can respond rather than react. Yeah. And I think there's something too. It's like, we've been living in a year or so longer in a pandemic. It has activated and magnified so much for so many people in ways that even if you've done work in certain areas, it's come up in a different form to see it, to understand it, maybe um, to help us keep coming back to that wholeness or that wellness, that integration. Um, and like you were saying, Stacy, it's like, it's got more sophisticated. It's like, Oh, and now I can see it in a different way. Oh, I probably couldn't have held that before because the shame would have been too big. So I think it's, it is important to, I call it celebration, gratitude, not to silver line it. Cause you know, we, we have to go into our muck, but, and also to say, Ooh, and I see this and I'm able to work with it and navigate it in a way that keeps bringing me back to myself, to my center, to work with it and, um, have that appreciation for, cause you don't, you don't get this without this. Right. So there's the beauty in that too. Well, can I just say a huge thank you to you all? Tom is telling me it's time to wrap up, but did anyone <laughs> that wee wee chat going, though, has going. made me really want a wee wee? That's I, good because my dog is good. My, yeah. yeah, proximity yeah. to the loo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I just say now because of all that? It's exactly like a fountain talking about that. Uh, can I just say, did anybody come to say anything today that they didn't get to say? <laughs> Stacy, is there anything you'd like to say you didn't get to say? You can even plug something if you want. Sure, I'll plug something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm about to go I'm like, <laughs> looking at it. I'm like, really, are you, you doing this? What are you doing? <laughs> 
Yes. So um, there is one thing that I'd like to say also for the people who listened uh, to us speak last time where we did talk quite a bit about yoga and so on and so forth. I'd like to remind people that at least how I know the beautiful guests who are here today, Aisha, Mia, Janelle, when we talk about yoga, we're not talking about asana. We're not talking about posture practice. We're talking about a wisdom tradition. Mm -hmm. And Janelle and I have teamed up with uh, two other beautiful teachers, Layla Sadagi and Kali Skut, to found a 300-hour advanced yoga teacher training called Radical Darshan, where, I don't know, 10% of it is on posture practice. Aisha is one of our guest instructors, and she will be coming with the three-hour rant, i.e. lecture, (laughs) lecture on hands-on diet culture. And, you know, we start June 10th. We're very excited about it. We had some contemplation about if we want to, how are we going to do this with the man? But we did make the decision um, that we went through the process of becoming accredited with Yoga Alliance U.S., so mostly because we want people who are willing to do social justice and intersectional equity in yoga. We want that work to be honored and recognized by those institutions, even when we don't agree with those institutions, because we know that that will help those people, you know, get their positions at the, at the studios and, and bring that work to the people who need it. So I'm excited to say that we, we came together last year. We made the decision. We've been working every week. We meet every week. We work diligently, even though we all have other jobs to create what is a spectacular curriculum. And we invite anyone, um, not just yoga teachers, we invite other wellness practitioners and healthcare professionals, coaches, therapists uh, to join us on that journey. Because like I said, probably less than 10% is posture practice. Everything that we're doing is about the wisdom tradition um, and what it offers from a, you know, fighting colonialism, fighting racism, fighting white supremacy, and so on and so forth. So just excited to mention that. Thank you so much, Stacey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll put, if you send us the details of that, we can put it in the show notes so people sure. can find where that is happening and when. Uh, Aisha, did you, is there anything you came to say that you didn't get to say or anything you'd like to tell us about? Um, yoga is not acrobats. It's just completely not. It's a philosophy. It's incredible. And wellness is so much more than what you're being sold. And really big thing, either people need to become media literate because that's how you can tell when someone's trying to sell you stuff. Mm-hmm. So do courses, do all the courses on becoming media literate, do courses on anti-racism and please, please look into the history of just your random thing that you think is amazing. Because the story is so much bigger than you going to buy something once. It's so much bigger. And that history needs to be explored and decolonized, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to yoga, yeah. as we know it. Thank you. And I teach yoga classes. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> uh, again, tell us where in we will put it in the show notes. Uh, where can we follow you, Aisha? Oh, on Instagram, I am the Aisha Nash, and you get access to my Patreon, which is all through my Instagram. And I teach classes with Cooler Tri Yoga and East of Eden. But I'll, I'll send you all those details. Mia, anything you came to say that you didn't get to say? 
Um, I would like to, I'm going to do a little plug because um, I have created a coaching program that I'm in the midst of right now. We're on week five. It's an eight week coaching course. It's called coming home to wholeness, which is an integration course and in breaking into the shadow work. It's not yoga at all. And I also feel like this is what I bring into integrating that as a yoga teacher into the philosophy, you know, it, it ahimsa, non-harming, satya, working with truth, going into the kleshas, attachment and avoidance. I'm not going to start to go into a philosophy breakdown because like, like everyone else here, um, do I, do I teach the postures? Yes. But and not as the the outcome, but as a process to know yourself better. So I teach at Tri Yoga. I also teach at Yoga Works in the U.S. It's actually where I come from in my my teaching. So I had fantastic teachers years and years ago who really steeped in the traditions and the respect and the reverence for what yoga is about. So I feel like that's very much in who I am as a teacher. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you, Mia. Mm-hmm. Janelle? Um, <laughs> just... If you are interested in um, a lot of folks along the way and right where, you know, where we've been in this cycle are wanting to do more. They're like, oh, how do I do this? How do I learn more? How, you know, how can I start to unlearn some of these things? What I say and what I offer is taking classes with black and brown teachers too, you know, and what you gave us the fantastic opportunity in the the Be Well series to be able to do that and to, you know, come and learn from us. And and that's why we have Radical Darshan plugging that again, because it's it's important to really get to this place of um, collective freedom we have to have this um, learning exchange and it, it, it's been very one way. And, and I think for things to change for like, like Jess says, how do we dismantle this mm-hmm. is go to the people that haven't been included, talk to them, spend time with them. We'll show you how to dismantle it. We'll show you how to tear it apart. And um, so, so yeah, so any, and, and all are welcome. Thank you so much, Janelle. And um, thank you so much to Anna Christian, who brought this idea to me, who is who organized the classes, who is herself uh, doing the work. Jess, anything that you have to tell us about or that you didn't get to say? I have a podcast all about eating called Hoovering, which if I get my way, all the panellists here today will be guests on (laughs) when I expect a pegging email or DM very soon. You're all geniuses and I want to spread your voices further and wider um, on my much smaller podcast. (laughs) Please pay to it. Um, It's very good. uh, I've got some rescheduled tour dates around the end of the summer. I don't know when this is going out, but yeah. Yeah, okay, soon I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen Hench, there's only a few dates left to mop up. Check There'll out. Be, there's going to be some London ones announced yes. uh, soon as well. Great. If you get a chance, if you haven't watched Hench, it's the most wonderful show about the way we feel about our bodies and food and all of those things. And also uh, a lot. From a, from a similarly unfixed lady. <laughs> uh, but also a lot of great comedy about Jess's five-year-old. Um, LAUGHTER uh, Hello, Guilty Feminist. Just an addendum to the stuff that I was talking about in the show. I've since had some conversations with my therapist where I think I've figured out that some of these old feelings coming back are really about control, that I've lost control over my life because of lockdown. 
and that sometimes your body is something that you can control in lieu of being able to control other things. So I hope it's okay to share these things with you that sometimes I spiral into these places. I always feel like I have this weird responsibility not to say anything that could make anyone else feel like, oh, well, I should be thinking that way too. I hope it's clear that when these things come upon me, they're old and negative patterns that I wish weren't there and I fight against and work against. I hope it's okay to share those things with you. Um, I guess sometimes that makes me feel a little bit vulnerable, but, you know, if not here at The Guilty Feminist, where? Now, I'm sure that you have seen the terrifying situation in India with COVID. And if we are going to be talking about practicing yoga and other wellness practices that emanate from India and other parts of Asia, then it's only right that we give back to India when India is in trouble if we're going to share in the culture of India. So please, if you possibly can, give to one or more of the following The details will be in the show notes, but we'll also put them under wellness on the Guilty Feminist website. Mission Oxygen India, and you can go to Instagram at Mission Oxygen India to find out more. Give India, Instagram, give underscore India. Yoga Gives Back, Instagram at Yoga Gives Back. And you can check out all of those to find out how you can give. Mission Oxygen is all about importing oxygen concentrators and donating them to hospitals to help with COVID. Give India is a non-profit which channels resources to credible non-governmental organizations. And Yoga Gives Back particularly focuses on women and girls. So please look at all of those and donate wherever and however you can. If you can't afford to donate, maybe you can share, ask somebody else to give. Amrit. Uh, you have been, as always, uh, wonderful sitting quietly in the space. Is there anything you would like to say or tell us about before you sing? Sure. I've just been working on music and learning how to step outside of my comfort zone and how to live as an artist on a day-to-day basis and not just do the discipline and work up to a performance and then, oh my gosh, the performance over in three minutes and then do the same thing again that actually live being an artist and love practicing and love how much it's rooted in my own sense of self, I guess. So I'm releasing my first track that does all of those things and comes from a place of me really connecting with that deeper self. And it's coming out really soon. And I'm very happy with it. It puts me in a really vulnerable place with music as well. And the music video is also coming up soon after the track releases and it's directed by my good friend Ramani Kalawalia. When I do music videos, I try and work within all woman crew or majority women of colour crew. And it is sometimes hard work to make sure that happens because one guy will kind of sneakily get on there uh, because Mm -hmm. you can't find someone. But I'm very, very excited about the stuff that's coming out because it's me stepping into that new space. Wonderful. And what are you going to sing for us today? I didn't know what I was going to perform when I logged on to this Zoom call. Um, So I've been listening to the conversation. I feel like what I want to do kind of sums up the conversation we've had today. Today is actually Vesaki, and we're recording this on the 13th of April. 
and Vasaki is like the harvest festival for the Sikhs and um, some Hindus also celebrate it. But Vasaki also was in 1699, the start of a revolution as well. And um, of course, as a harvest festival, farmers at the forefront of that kind of festival. And it feels different this year because there are still farmers on the front line in India protesting mm. for their rights. And um, I think that, you know, Greta Thunberg and Rihanna and all those people have allowed that message to spread on a global level. But the most amazing thing is that women were at the forefront of that protest. Mm. And interestingly, we were talking about turmeric lattes and all of these things. Like we rely on those farmers for our turmeric lattes, you know, Mm. Um, it affects all of us. And so I've decided to perform something from Sikh scripture today. A lot of us may have heard the word guru before because now it's kind of used as, you know, a tech guru or, you know, I don't know how else people use it, but guru essentially means teacher. And we call our Sikh scripture guru because it teaches us. The most amazing part for me about Sikh scripture is there are so many different contributors to the work. It's not written by one person. There are Muslims that write in it. There's Hindus that write in it. Mm. And it's a revolutionary piece of work that the people that write in it, like Stacey was talking about earlier, is on even things that you've talked about, Deborah, in this podcast, that just admitting that you fall off track sometimes and admitting that you're not always at 100. And that's what the Sikh scripture kind of talks about too, that this is about meditation and sometimes you can't be that person and you're looking for guidance constantly. So I've chosen a Shabbat hymn that talks about the teacher within us. And you can talk about Guru as like if you believe in God or you believe in the universe or you believe in spirit or you believe in a teacher, your inner teacher. Um, so I'm going to start off with a little mantra, which is Wahibu in Sikh. Um, culture that literally means the teacher that takes us from darkness to light. So I'm going to start with that and then I'm going to go into the hymn which translates to the teacher's message is within me at all times. And then each verse kind of talks about how we attain it by remembering and remembering and remembering the same present. Um, in meditation, you find peace in each breath. And then it kind of goes on to say, That teacher is my help and support. Wherever I go, it protects me. It does not sink in water. Leaves cannot seal it. and Fire cannot burn it. And it kind of compares the world to this ocean that we have to swim across constantly and that teacher will continue to teach. So I thought it's kind of a universal message that will allow us to relate on many levels. I'm really happy that you've responded to the moment rather than planning something. I think it's really the spirit of especially this episode. I do it too. I do it when I turn up to speak places. I don't plan stuff. I just want to see what's in the room and I think it's amazing. So I'm thrilled that you've done that and we can't wait to hear what you're going to sing. Sure.
Thank you so much, Amrit. That was so beautiful. And, yeah. It really lifted us to the place that we were talking about and uh, it felt very special. Thank you very much. I feel if you lived with me and you sang that like that every morning, I wouldn't have any problems. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's true. So like all of yeah. this, the work and blah, yeah. blah, blah, it would just come, you would seep yeah. in, it would seep in by osmosis, <laughs> by that sort of your lifting, you know, Sometimes we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and actually it's just yes. a being. That's the mm-hmm. music can take us to mm-hmm. the place of being, right? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, you guys, this was so special and uh, and brilliant. And thank you so much for your time and uh, your wisdom and your being in the space and your collaboration and communion. It was really, really special. You've made me sound Californian. <laughs> Such a Londoner. We've turned you to the dark side. You've sent me to California <laughs> in my soul. I'm like in California channeling. I'm like, oh, well, you got some LA up in here. That's right. You're going all LA, Deborah. That's you what's happened to me. It, That's my home. In the space between us, I felt the power. I, I don't know what's happening to me. I love me. it. <laughs> I once had a weird experience in California, though. I went to a yoga class and they did a sound bath, which I wasn't expecting. I didn't know what was going to happen, but we were all lying there on the floor with our eyes shut. And then the teacher started to do this sound bath, which is like a you get a bronze bowl or something like that, and then you make a percussive noise with a bowl. And I remembered being born. I had this experience of like wow. I could remember being born. Yeah, I, it, it was like it was so weird. It was like a trance state. Yeah, and I didn't expect it because I didn't know there was going to be a sound bath, and it just happened, and I could feel myself coming out of the womb. Deborah, so don't try yeah. mushrooms. <laughs> well, I, I think you, kale I and think you might remember I in, the, and it was the Venice Big Bang. Beach, so it could have been. <laughs> but then they said so there's wild. this whole sound bath class tomorrow so I was like coming back for more of that who knows what I can remember (laughs) nothing (laughs) but I came back with expectation (laughs) and I hadn't had any expectation Mm. I didn't know it was going to happen I just you know it just I swear it was the weirdest experience it was just like being born I was like oh I feel it I'm coming out of the canal well, um, I hope my son, for one, never goes to a sound bath. Not something I want him to remember. <laughs> um, you have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Jessica Foster-Q, and our very special guest, Janelle Lewis, Dr. Stacey C.C. Graham, Mia Togo, Aisha Nash, with music from Amrit Kaur. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Tom Selinsky for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Rachel Craftman, Anna Christian, Gina Dicio, and everyone who made this episode happen, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Um, everyone just don't take yourself off mute so that we have a more of a otherwise if you laugh, we don't hear it and it sounds like Amrit's not funny. Oh. <laughs> um, so what you what you gotta heal on a dock? How do you do that?